0: The simple truths of the house that God built. Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. The church is described and declared
1: to be a living organism by its relationship and identity with God, as Paul calls it, the church of the living God, an organism, not an organization infused by the Holy Spirit. It began at Pentecost. It has not ceased since then.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Likened to both a flock of sheep and a bride, these two living images of God's Church implicate the need for leadership, whether it be a shepherd of sheep or an adoring husband. And as Pastor Xavier will be continuing a study through the book of Acts, we'll see three elements that are key to a pastor providing biblical leadership as approved unto God. It's Simple Truths, drawn from Acts chapter 20, making up a study titled, Paul's Counsel to the Elders. Let's listen.
1: As we continue in our series of Paul's last meeting with the Ephesian elders, we come to his second concluding statement Of all that he has declared from verse 17 down to verse 27. Paul now concludes they need to be cautious. Paying attention to three very specific things that he gives us here in one verse. Verse 28. Listen to it. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased With his own blood. Here's the three things there to be cautious and pay close attention to. First of all, the elders were to take heed to people. Take heed to people. Secondly, the elders were to take thought of who was doing the work. And then thirdly, the elders were to take notice who paid for the church. And so the elders, first of all, were to take heed to people. The first group that falls under the category of people is the elders themselves. They are people. They have sin nature. They're tempted. They can fail. They were to be cautious to preach the kingdom of God. To be innocent of the blood of all men and not shun or hold back the full counsel of God, as 25 to 27 says. This is what they as leaders are to be. Cautious about and give attention to. First, their lives as Christians. Second, as leaders. Secondly, notice. The second group here. That falls under the category of people. Is the flock. And to all the flock of God. The elders were to pay attention. To all the flock. Mark it well. His flock. By recognizing the church belongs to Jesus alone. He is the good shepherd. John ten eleven, The elders are to be faithful as stewards. No man has the authority over the flock of God apart from the word of God. Very important. The elders were to take heed to the people themselves and the flock. Notice secondly. The elders were to take thought of who was doing the work. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd, Notice the Holy Spirit took them from among the flock. One little word, among. What a difference it makes. He didn't say above the flock. He said among the flock. They were one of many sinners in the flock saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That's important to remember. They responded to God's initiation of the call. As Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 16. That he had chosen them. Now notice the Holy Spirit had called them to shepherd the flock of God. The word shepherd means to tend as a shepherd. The idea being feeding, leading, tending, and keeping sheep. You see this throughout the Old Testament and the New. And so the function of a pastor teacher over the local congregation was to be an overseer or bishop over the flock. He would feed the flock, tend the flock, and protect the flock from false doctrine and abuse. This is clear. Ephesians four eleven through sixteen speaks about the purpose of the church and that to perfect the saints, they not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, so on and so forth. To get them grounded in the Word of God, First uh, Peter two two speaks about uh, uh, desiring the sincere milk of the Word, unadulterated, pure Word. Uh, later on, Peter will deal with them in chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, about their awesome responsibility and who they're looking to for reward, not the people. He would have other elders to assist him, but he, like Moses, was the one called and anointed to lead the flock, as Timothy, who was left at Ephesus by Paul. And in 1 Timothy 1 3 and the others, he addresses Timothy, the letters to him. We, we never get any implications, idea that there was a multiplicity of shepherds over that church. There was one man. The Bible teaches the calling of one man by God to lead and feed the church and the raising up of other elders to assist him. But he alone got his call anointed to lead the flock as Moses, Saul, David, and Paul. But that calling, that anointing, that leading is never as a dictator. It's never beyond the authority of Scripture. You understand? It's always limited by the Scriptures and according to the Scriptures. And if someone doesn't do that, then get up and walk out. Go find another church. You understand? The protections are built in. It's much like when a father is mowing the lawn and his son, he's... Not old enough to really push that lawnmower. It looks like easy, you know, but when you are pushing you know, it, that grag gets tall and you know. But, but the father says, "Sure, come on." And the son puts his hands on the on the on the handle of the lawnmower, and the father puts his hands over his hands, and they begin to mow the lawn. They're going back aisle by aisle, and he gets done. The kid looks like, "Oh, Dad, I finished," you know. He really believes he mowed the lawn, but the father knows he's the one that mowed the lawn. This is exactly what takes place in leadership and ministry. God calls a man and it's our hands that are put on the handle of the lawnmower. And God's hands put out over us. And he does the work. And we don't do it. And we should never think that we're doing it. Very important. This is something that people have lost sight of today in leadership. The problem often is that men think more highly of themselves than they should. God took Saul, if you remember, from among the people of Israel. But he became great in his own eyes. This is always a problem. First Samuel thirteen thirteen. Samuel said to Saul. Listen. You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God. Which he commanded you. For now. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. God raises people up. God removes them. If God is directing a man. and Has his hand upon a man. Time will prove that out. The fruit will be there. Character will be there. 1 Corinthians 8, 2, Paul says, and if anyone thinks that he knows something or anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know it. Whenever you in leadership or authority think that you've got it all wired and you've arrived, you haven't even started. (laughs) You're always learning. You're always growing. The warning about becoming Pharisees in our calling as leaders is um, warned against by Jesus constantly As he pronounced the woes to the Pharisees and scribes as I mentioned earlier in Matthew 23. But this is the way that you can know if you become a Pharisee. It's real simple. Don't miss it. If when you hear the word of God being taught. And all you do is become offended. And you begin to criticize the one proclaiming that word. Then you know you're a Pharisee. Because you're not using it to examine yourself. If you get offended, criticized, instead of examining yourself, you've just become a Pharisee. Every time Jesus spoke against the Pharisees, they knew he was speaking about them. They got offended and they criticized and they didn't examine their lives. You understand? That's how you know you become a Pharisee. The only way you can be a faithful shepherd and teacher is to keep growing as a child of God and a student of the Word of God. I heard Billy Graham once say, That if he had to do it over again, he would study more. He would study more. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, right? Divine the word of truth. We approve ourselves to God, ladies and gentlemen, from the pulpit and the pew. But the context much more from the pulpit. You understand? Very important. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the agent of God through man then. God told Moses to gather 70 elders of Israel, as you know, to oversee with him. And God would take of the same Holy Spirit and put it on them, Numbers 11, 16 through 17. This is the way God works. In fact, Jesus prepared the disciples and apostles for this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 and 8, he says this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so, here again, the Holy Spirit is what qualifies these men, equips these men. Very, very important. Barnabas and Paul, Saul at that time, were called by the Holy Spirit in Acts 13.2. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work of the mission which I have called them. The entire book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is directing, guiding, opening, closing doors. It should be no different today. The problem is we think we're in control, so we start making decisions apart from God. We start building a ministry that God has never called us to build because we want to be like somebody else. Just do what God has called you to do. Paul appointed elders to the task of overseeing the church in the first missionary journey in Acts 14.23 and entrusted them to the Holy Spirit. The elders were to take thought of who was doing the work. The Holy Spirit. What an awesome responsibility let the Holy Spirit do the work in the church. Notice thirdly, the elders were to take notice who paid for the church. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now he focuses on the ownership of the church. The church is God's own possession. It's called the church of God. The word church, ecclesia, means the called out ones. And it's used in the Greek to describe a civil assembly of people, as you know. The word is used of the assembly of believers. The word is used of a local church, the word is used of a house church, and the word is used for the universal corporate church, alive and now present in heaven. That's the four ways, the way the word ecclesia is used. The church is described and declared to be a living organism by its relationship and identity with God, as Paul calls it, the church of the living God, in First Timothy 3.15, 4.10, and 6.17. The church of the living God. An organism, not an organization. He adds to it. He directs. He guides. He infuses it with life. No one else. The church is alive by virtue of God's life. Infused by the Holy Spirit. It began at Pentecost. It has not ceased since then. His church... Is comprised of living stones. Second Peter two four through five tells us an organism, not an organization. His church has been begotten unto a living hope. First Peter one three says. His church is called the bride of Christ. Ephesians five twenty seven. The most tender, the most intimate metaphor of all. Something. That we can all identify as men and women who are married. It makes us more like each other. And being Christians, it makes us more like Christ. But it's the only way we can receive the best in marriage. As Christ is that head. His church is portrayed as an army in warfare. Ephesians 6, 9-18. 2 Timothy 2, 1-4. And many other portions. The church is in hostile territory. Satan's the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He opposes all that is of God, and yet the church is alive and well. And notice also the church was purchased by His own blood. The price that was required by God was a perfect sacrifice, sinless, without spot, without blemish. Uh, John one twenty nine. John the Baptist says, "Behold, the Lamb of God." Which takes away the sins of the world. Every Jew understood that God took 2,000 years to school them. It began with Genesis, as we'll see. But he schooled them for 2,000 years. Blood, sacrifice, atonement, fellowship, forgiveness. You understand? The standard was established there in Genesis 3.21. God took an animal, and an animal, killed them. The blood covered their sins of Adam and Eve. And the skin of the animal covered their nakedness. The law codified it and put it into an organized system. In Leviticus 1-7 through 7, you get the different sacrifices. The human race had no one who could meet the requirements. Paul is very clear about this. Romans 3, 10-12, quoting the Psalms. There's not one good, no not one, none seek after God. That's an absolute categorical truth. Every person who is religious is not seeking God. They're seeking an experience. They're seeking inner peace. They're seeking wealth. They're seeking fame. And you keep adding to the list, but they're not seeking God. The only time you seek God is when you hear the gospel. And it opens your understanding, and then you turn to seek God. It's the only time man seeks God through the gospel. All our children are wrath by nature. Children of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. No exception. Including the pastor's. All are under God's wrath until they, re- they repent. John three thirty-six. The Father, in His love for mankind and His commitment to His promise, sent His only Son to die for the world. John three sixteen. The invitations have gone out. Now God is receiving the response one at a time. No one's excluded from this marriage. The exclusion comes by personal choice. He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 In fact, in 1 John 2.2 2, John says, And he made Jesus to be the propitiation. That which satisfied God's demands. And not only for us alone. Us alone means the believer. But the whole world. So if you're a Calvinist, how do you explain that? You can't put... And, and he is the propitiation for our sins, the elect and also the elect. It's redundant. Let's get serious. Don't be educated beyond your intelligence. Let the scripture speak for itself. Don't reason away the scriptures. No one's predestined to hell. No one gets sent to hell without a chance. Jesus died for all. The result was a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 9-10. A holy nation, his own special people, that they may proclaim the praises of him who called them out of darkness into the marvelous light. Who were once not a people, but now... Are the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now had obtained what? Mercy. It's called grace, it's called the gospel of Christ. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we are redeemed, not by the traditions of our fathers or corruption things like silver and gold, first 1 Peter 1:18 through 19 says, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, and he is an incredible pastor in Germany. Uh, under the time of Hitler He came to America People pleaded that he stay. He would not He felt God wanted him back And in fact He uh, had an underground seminary And he uh, plotted to assassinate Hitler And that was discovered And then he was uh, executed But listen to what he says His book called Cost of Discipleship Quote Church order is divine Both in origin and character He says Though of course It is meant to serve And not to rule The offices of the church are ministries. They are appointed in the church of God by Christ and by the Holy Spirit. They are not appointed by the church. Even where the church makes itself responsible for distributing offices, it does so only under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Both ministry and church spring forth from the triune God. The offices exist to serve the church and their spiritual rights only originate from this service. Now, there's a biblical man. There's someone who understood the church and its nature. And the limited authority of a pastor. And the privilege of being called to be a pastor. Listen to the words of Jesus. The ultimate authority over his church. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. My church. The gates of hell starts in the church. Those who would water down the word of God in terms of leadership. The second is with the first step outside the church building, the people in the world who oppose the church. And the third step, from man's perspective, is the gates of hell, Satan, the god of this world. Now, that's the origin. I'm looking at it from a man backwards, and that's the problem you most of the time. God sees it from the origin straight out to how it affects us. The worst is inside the church. Not outside the church, as we'll see. Not through church growth, not through marketing principles, not through motivational speaking, not through seeker-friendly churches or the emergent church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I saw an article, some of you may have seen an article of, of uh, one of the biggest seeker-friendly churches of Bill Hybel, that have acknowledged publicly that they made a mistake all these last 25 years. They are turning out flaky Christians, and some not Christians at all. They left the Word of God, and they went for the church growth mentality, and they're wrong. Wow! How interesting. Get back to basics, the Word of God. The authority of God's word. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep, my sheep. And I'm known of my sheep, John 10, 14. Jesus again said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, John 10, 27. But it's based on God's word. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have a loved one for another, John 13, 35. All of these things are very important. If you're his sheep, if you're his flock, you know the word of God you submit yourself to the authority of the word of god not to a man to the authority of the word of god in fact the lord jesus is the only one who ordains man in ministry and to ministry not man here's the failure men can give a person an education men can award a person a degree man can commend men to ministry and recommend them to the ministry but only god can call anoint ordain and send a person to the work of ministry which he has prepared for them you understand The church is called many things, but as I said, the bride of Christ is the most intimate, the most personal, Ephesians 5.27. Jesus taught in many parables that each of us were mere stewards, but here again, elders and pastors are stewards of the church, which God entrusts to them by His grace, the greater responsibility. It's required that a steward be found faithful, as we said in 1 Corinthians 4.2. To those much is given, much is required. Listen to Peter. We'll close with this. 1 Peter 5 1 through 4. Peter tells us that an elder or pastor, recognizing his privilege, will keep a check on his purity and passion and motivations. Listen to him. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I am a fellow elder. He's not the Pope, he's a fellow elder. A witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partake of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. It's real simple, ladies and gentlemen. A pastor has awesome responsibility. His authority is limited to the scriptures. And when both the pew and the pulpit understand this, God can do His work through the Holy Spirit. The elders were to take notice who paid for the church. God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Ephesian elders were to be cautious, giving attention to these three things. They were to take heed to people themselves and the flock. They were to take thought of who was doing the work and the flock the Holy Spirit. And they were to take notice who paid for the church, God, and the
0: person of Jesus Christ. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Pastor Xavier Reese providing three important keys to biblical leadership in serving the church. And with just the few moments we have left, we're happy to let you know that copies of today's study titled, Paul's Counsel to the Elders, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, Paul's Counsel to the Elders, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com